Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. Please, please, please. Don't stand up. Don't stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. Uh, we have uh, Denise Compton on the phone. Would you mind taking her call? Ooh, oh. thank she, you. It's David which, Pruce, our technical producer. Uh, let me. She can't hear this, right? You got her muted, David? She's muted right thank now. Thank you. Uh, here's the deal. Denise Compton called, I don't know, a month or so ago oh, right. from a group called Podcast Watch. Yeah. She is very conservative, and she had concerns about our podcast being too liberal and didn't have any balance. And I was very nervous about her because she's you threatening. Were, you what, were ready to sell out I, right I then. was. And I you, apologize. I remember. You were ready to suddenly become a conservative. Jerry, this is the best job I've ever had. I, I'm trying to get some Social Security money. Trying, trying to get my, what is it, 40 quarters? I don't yeah. quite have them yet. And so I'm afraid to lose my gig. And I was ready to kind of give her the store. that Because she, she says she's going to go to Congress. And there are some hearings brewing about liberal podcasts. So you stood strong, and I was proud of you, and I joined you. But then this is what you did. Let's remind you what you did. You said to her, you stood strong and said, we are not going to change. We are going to stay liberal. She wasn't very happy about that. And you said that you would give her tickets to your television show, full VIP treatment, backstage pass. The only thing she had to do was get to the venue. She okay, said, can you okay. Imagine, can you imagine what VIP at my show means? Yeah, I'm kind of wondering what that yeah. does mean. I mean, yeah. what do you think? There's a red carpet? <laughs> no, I don't think yeah. so. We, but then, we don't even have carpet. Yes. But then, and pardon my language, but then you totally stiffed her when you said the show was in Chicago. The show's been in Stanford, Connecticut for like, what, seven years or so? Yeah, yeah, well, there's uh, six, yeah, six years. Yeah. So that's the setup for this. She's now calling back. I she hope, really went to Chicago? I, I don't know. Let's bring her on and find out. I was hoping oh, we'd no. never hear from her again. David, can you, as we say in the radio business, pot her up? Yes. Pot. Okay. Now it means to turn her mic up and... Oh. Well, this is Ohio. Uh, Miss Miss Compton. Okay, yeah. Um, hello. Yes, is this Candace Springer? Yes, it well, is. This well, is hi. G. How are you? Well, you know, I have to tell you, I've had better times. I am currently in Chicago, Illinois. Oh my God! Hold on, hold on. Why are You're you in Chicago? in Chicago? What do you mean? Why is she there? She went there to see your show. I went there to see a show that I was told there would be tickets. I am now stranded in Chicago. Oh, no. Um, I have asked a number of cab drivers in the area if they are familiar with Mr. Springer and his show, and they assured me it left Chicagoland years ago. So I feel like I have really no other options at this point but to go ahead and get my little bill back together and go back to Congress. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think that's necessary. Um I, I do. I do. This was quite an inconvenience. And did I, I have to tell you, Mr. Springer, did I tell, I'm not happy. Did I tell you the show was in Chicago? Yes, you did, Jerry. I, um, I you know, I have to tell you, I had, I mentioned it quite a few times in our last phone call. Um, I told you I would be in the Chicago area, and I was quite clear 
Um, and I don't believe anyone on your team or any of your support staff. No, no, we, I certainly didn't say. He did say Chicago. I'm here and I was a witness. And if you mm-hmm. tell Congress, Thanks you for tell them, me, Gene. you could tell them that Gene Galvin corroborates your story, that Jerry Springer, that's one S, Bailing said again. Chicago. He but I tell you something, out. Jerry, I've got an idea. Miss Compton, how about if you, and we apologize, and I apologize on behalf of my uh, partner, Jerry Springer, here in crime, that you ended up in Chicago, would you be willing to come to a Jerry Springer podcast, Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, and Jerry, we could have her sit right next to Megan when Megan's here over there. We could put her at a microphone. Yeah. M- Denise Compton. And a she'll podcast. have a chance because even though this is a liberal podcast and that's not going to change, but she ought to be able to have her point of view aired. Now you're talking. That's exactly what I was going to say. I would be more than willing to do that if I am given equal airtime to be able to give my our side of things. And I think it would help. Um, you know, what Podcast Watch is, is, is doing anyway. So I would be amenable to that as long right. as Mr. Springer fitting the bill for this. That's right a now. deal. That's a 100% guaranteed. Now, I'm going to, uh, we have to get on to some other issues, but I'm just going to give you a couple of the logistical details right now. If you have your your smartphone there, or if you have pen and pencil or whatever, if you would jot She's down. She's a conservative. How can she have a smartphone? Now, see? Now, see? Now, see, Jerry? That's combative. That's I apologize. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I, I know. I apologize for what he mm-hmm. said and for everything that he will say in the future. Uh, here's what I want to say, Miss Compton. We, if you'll please come to the podcast on any Tuesday evening you choose, shoot me an email first. We are at the Folk School Coffee Parlor, and we are mm-hmm. in Asheville, North, North Carolina. Yes, Asheville, North Carolina. So okay. you just Asheville, go. Any Tuesday okay. night, eight o'clock, Folk School Coffee Parlor, Asheville, North Carolina, down in the in the Smoky Mountains, and we thank you very much, and we'll look forward to seeing you. Thank you. That's Denise Compton, everybody. Wonderful. I do. Thank you. Bye, bye, Miss Compton. Bye, bye. You just you're upset because I tell jokes about her, but you're sending her to Asheville, North Carolina. It's the only thing I could think of. Hey, I wanted to ask you. I mean, we really don't want her here, do we? No, no, I we don't, don't want her here. Hey, uh, we mentioned a couple podcasts ago that we are considering going, we'd like to go mm-hmm. with the new rules changes in America. Yeah. We would like to go to Cuba and yeah. take the podcast to Cuba. And we would go there, spend probably about five days. And this was our vision that we had a month or so back that we would go. And since we last talked about it, some things have kind of uh, evolved and gelled. And I have been in touch with an organization in New York City that puts together such trips, so-called people-to-people trips. The rules now, and I won't go through them all, but there are like 12 reasons you can go to Cuba legally, and we fit one of those. And it's journalism, education, arts, cultural exchanges, etc. So what we are going to do... It's one of the reasons that America doesn't want me here anymore. <laughs> no, but I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. I'm wondering when we go to Cuba, and we are now going in mid-May. Yes. So it's not going to happen tomorrow, but we're going in mid-May. We are going, by the way... Our hook, our focus will be to go study and record and then play back for our podcast audiences singers and songwriters from the musical movement called La Nueva 
Trova, T-R-O-V-A, N-U-E-V-A, which, the, which means new. Yeah. Trova, which means ballads or songs. So these are uh, singer-songwriters who evolved in Cuba after the revolution of 1959. They started producing this music in the 60s, and it has lived on to today. One of the major singers, Silvio Rodriguez, is somebody that the group I'm working through, they know him. They brought him to America back in the 70s to perform around the country, yeah. so they know him. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to go to his recording studio, interview him, get some of his music. We're going to go to Trinidad, Cuba, as well as Cien Fuegos, Cuba. There are some performing places and artistic centers where we may hear this kind of music. The music that we're going to hear there, the, the, the folk music, is it protest music? And if it's protest music, was it the music that was protesting? In other words, are they pro-Castro or anti-Castro? It's a great question. When it started, and I've been just researching this, but I've dug into it pretty well, and I, I think my facts are going to be pretty accurate. When it first began, it was all pro-revolution. And right. so these are... Uh, singers and songwriters that are uh, parallel to our Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, Pete Seeger. Right. And they wrote songs and performed songs, unplugged, you know, yeah. non-electrified, that promoted the revolution and frankly protested against America and the embargo right. and, and the Bay of Pigs, etc. As the music has evolved to 2015, uh, there are now some singers that are uh, raising some questions. I, I wouldn't, I don't, I've not discovered that any are anti-revolution or anti-Cuba, yeah. but they are. Uh, there are some critical songs that are happening these days. About I life think. in Cuba, or whatever. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. So. We'll that's find what, out, and that's, that's the story that we'll tell. And and Casey Campbell, our music coordinator, who uh, sings as a solo act and. The, uh, the Midwest area and yeah. is also in a group called Buffalo Wobs and the Price Hill Hustle. He will go uh, with his guitar with us. Yeah. And there'll be, I envision, some situations where Casey will sit in a gathering and sing some of the songs as he's, that he's written or some of the union songs of America. Yeah. Uh, Guantanamera, the song, uh, which was popularized by Pete Seeger and the Weavers, and was it the, a group called the Sandpipers, if my memory is right, back yep. in the 70s, that recorded that song. And that's a song that is shaped around Jose Marti, the poet in yep. Cuba, in the 1800s, when the Spanish-American War is what we call it. Yeah. And he was the first revolutionary in uh, Cuba. And that song is sort of an anthem of the La Nueva Trova music movement in Cuba. So we're going to come back with a lot of stories and a lot of visuals for our website. And I'm really looking forward to that. And, and Gene, credit to you. That was your idea. Uh, but also, I, I think, and, and I'm sure I speak for you too, we're going down there with no preconceived notions. No. In other words, we're going down there to listen to their music, to their folk music, what we would call folk music. And it, it will reflect what it will reflect. I mean, some of the songs may be very pro-Castro, some may be anti We don't know. Right. We're not going there to try to push a particular point of view. This is, you know, we're visitors, and what has your society been like for the last 50 years? And we're going to learn. And how and does your it. music express yeah. what, how your life has been? So 
Uh, I agree exactly with that. That's the approach we'll take, and I think it's going to be a blast. And by the way, and th this is going to sound like a joke, I don't mean it to be. I've been wondering, will Cubans know who Jerry Springer is? I have, we've been friends for a long time, and wherever we go, along with our wives, I watch what happens, whether it's in New York City, whether it's in a very rural area of Ohio, like we were last couple of weeks where you were giving speeches, whether we're at a, a basketball game, a football game, whether we're in the inner city, wherever you go, people instantly know who Jerry Springer is, and they, they'll goof around about the show. They might know you yeah. politically, and they'll take a more serious view. I have a feeling that you will be unrecognized in Cuba. And I think the reason is, is that the Castro government, which has a strong control on the media in Cuba, I doubt that, uh, um, sounds like a joke, but I don't think anybody has ever seen your show down there. We're seen in most of the world, but that's because we have contracts with other countries around the world, certainly the English-speaking world. But obviously we could not have a contract in Cuba because, you know, the, of the boycott. And, but they even control what you could get in satellites because you could say even if we didn't have a contract in Cuba, it's only 90 miles from our shore, so they should be able to pick up with satellite, you know, Florida stations, for example. Uh, but no, they even blocked that. So I, I'm sure you're right. that um, be interesting. Yeah, which may be good for me because if they knew... When I got down there, they'd never let me out. Yeah, that's right. I've, that's right. I've ruined the culture. They don't want me going down there to ruin their culture. Right. Look what I've done to America with my I, show. I, I feel could, horrible about couldn't it. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I just hope hell isn't that hot because I burn real easy, and I'm I'm very light complected. And you, you know, want to know something? Be brutal. When I get to heaven, and, and I'm well, when I'm standing outside yeah. the gates. If I see your sorry ass inside the gates, I know we're all getting in. Yeah, that's exactly right. Everybody's getting in. Yeah, that's why you should all pray for me. Because if, <laughs> if I'm going to heaven, you're all coming with me. Yeah. It's all hey, good news. Another thing on Cuba and you being unrecognized, you know, for the uh, years, for the last number of years, let's say, well, actually from the time you were on city council, and then uh, went into the news business. Well, you were mayor, ran for state office, news business, Jerry Springer show. I've always seen you as the one that's recognized, and you have great capital built up because of that. So, and I've always been standing there like, what the hell happened to me? You know, like, uh, how why? Do you have a mirror? Well, yeah, I mean, that was part of the problem. <laughs> that so should answer your Jerry, question. <laughs> It's in it's appropriate we're going to a communist country where we will be equal. We walk into Cuba and oh, it's like I'm not sure I can I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm you know, forget what I said about liberals. I'm yeah. equal. You know, yeah. No. Oh no. Hey, speaking of communism, let's talk a little Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders, by the way, is not a communist. Of course. And we were talking before the podcast started. We're wondering if He's actually a socialist as it is defined in Webster. No, Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. I know he sometimes calls himself a socialist or a Democrat socialist, but in truth, he's not a socialist. Because if you're a socialist, you believe that the government should own all the means of production in terms of what drives the economy. So if you were in a socialist country, the government uh, would own the steel mills, it would own the auto industry, it would own all the utilities. It would, in other words, it would own what right now. You could still have your little shops 
and your own private little businesses, but the means of production which drive an economy are owned by the government. That's socialism. Communism is when the government owns everything. You know, pure communism, there's no private enterprise. Everything is collective. Or the people. Um, yeah, they, they would say, say yeah, the, they people. Would, the people. But anyway, yeah. Keep so, okay, so he's not, he's not a socialist. Basically, what he is is a very liberal Democrat. His disagreements with Hillary, by the way, except on guns, and by the way, I'm more on Hillary's side on guns than Bernie's, but on everything else, he, he and Hillary agree on everything. It's just that Bernie would probably spend a little more money on these programs. For example, when you go on, when you listen to Fox News and they're saying they're against socialism and all that, you know, America would never uh, accept it. We have Medicare. That's socialism, no? Government program for seniors. So all Bernie is saying, and which I happen to agree with, the, the best way to have health insurance for everybody Instead of having Medicare start at 55 or 65 or whatever, have Medicare start at day one of your birth. You know, the day you're born, you're on Medicare. So it's the same system. We don't suddenly become socialist because we have younger people in Medicare. It would just be a more expensive program, granted. But if the goal is all people should receive medical care and have health insurance, and be covered, then it's simply a program we now have. But he, nor anyone else in the Democratic Party that I know of, is suggesting that all means of production be run by the government. Of course not. Government's not going to take over the auto industry, the steel industry, the, you know, energy, utilities, everything. They regulate. We have regulation and we have taxation. That is what happens in a mixed economy. And by the way, almost, not all, but almost every country in the world is now a mixed economy. Even China is a mixed economy where they have free enterprise now in certain areas. So the world has figured out that you can't have the purity either way, that you have to have some things run by the government because individuals wouldn't be efficient. You couldn't get it done. There are some things that individuals cannot provide for themselves, and the government has to do that. Otherwise, you have anarchy and, you know, you can't develop. So you have to have government. But no one is suggesting, so let's stop these scare tactics. Oh, my gosh, if the Democrats get elected, we're going to have socialism. We have it now. And every Republican is, you find me a Republican who says we should do away with Social Security. You find me a Republican that says we should do away with Medicare. I invite them to come on this podcast, a Republican, and say, no more Medicare. And if they don't say that, then they support something which seems socialistic, okay? But our whole society, we don't have a socialist government in America. It is just that same scary right-wing stuff to get us away from doing what is the humane, decent thing to do, which is to make sure, for example— that all Americans can afford to go to a doctor, that when someone gets sick, they want to get some help. Because right now, as you probably know, rich people have a longer life expectancy than middle and lower income people. By the way, by a lot. Anybody think that's fair? Middle and low income people, often the only first time they get to a doctor, it's the emergency room, and then probably it's too late. 
Well, oftentimes it's too late. So it's just unfair. And what the thing which I always get on is how patriotic we are when Americans die because of a plane running into a building. But if Americans just die of a disease, which, by the way, is what's going to get us all in the end, or a horrible accident, then we could care less about other Americans. Screw it. I'm not paying for his insurance. I'm not paying for her insurance. Where's the logic in that? And where is this particularly, you know, particularly the religious right, where I think it is just so unconscionable that you can go to church on Sunday morning or temple on a Saturday morning and talk about God's love and how we all care for each other and we're all God's children and let's be good and decent and help each other out. And then Monday morning you go to work and it's how you can screw the other person, how we can make more profit, pay them less. I'm not going to help them. You know, it's like, whoa, does, does no one see the hypocrisy in this? You know, you're telling me you're a religious person. Wonderful. God bless you. But then show it the rest of the week. Don't be saying you're religious and then not give a damn that someone else doesn't have health insurance. Hey, Bernie Sanders is about to do, he says, a speech on socialism. And he's going to try to explain himself and explain his views and uh, talk about probably a lot of the stuff you're talking about, what people should expect if he would become president. Should they fear anything? Would there be big change? Uh, and when you, you were traveling around in the last few weeks, I noticed that it is though the so- Democratic Socialist, well, I wonder, do you think it's a Democratic Socialist label that makes him so appealing to college kids. Every campus we were on, Bowling Green, Miami University. The kids are for Bernie, yeah. They're all for Bernie, aren't they? And what I say to them, look, I love everything Bernie says, uh, but I support Hillary Clinton. And the reason I support Hillary Clinton, and by the way, if you're supporting Bernie, go get him. Work as hard as you can. That's wonderful. When the primary is over, we're all going to get together because there's... On the substantive issues, they're both on the same page. Except on guns, they both have the same positions. You know, it, it, Bernie would probably spend more money on the, you know, on some of the issues that we care about than Hillary would. But the reason I wind up with Hillary, other than I love her, I mean, I, I think she's great, and I've been supporting her for years. But the other reason is, I look at how this Republican Congress, and remember, I think because of the way the district lines are drawn, the House of Representatives will stay Republican after the next presidential race. Until we redraw the lines and make it fair, Republicans are going to keep winning those seats. So with the Republican Congress, look how they dealt with Obama, with President Obama. They were obstructionists the whole time. They will block anything the president suggests, anything. Well, can you imagine if they're doing this with President Obama, what they will do with someone they perceive as a socialist? So even though I can agree with everything Bernie Sanders says, if he's the president, I cannot imagine this Congress working with him at all. And then we'll have four more years of gridlock or even worse. So in my mind, I wind up on Hillary's side just because I can see her as a president. She's more of a politician and I can see some things getting done. If she's the president, it'll be much tougher with Bernie. But if someone comes back to me and says, well, what, 
issue do you disagree with on with Bernie? None except guns. None. So there's it's not an argument against where Bernie stands and his character and he's he's a wonderful human being. I went to school with five hundred Bernies. I grew up in New York. You know, everyone talked like Bernie. I talked like Bernie back then. You know. And uh, hey, you know, we gotta do it, you know what I mean, you know. So uh so I get him. I totally get him and I love him. But I think in the in in the White House, having to deal with this Republican Congress, you know, unless God comes and strikes lightning and all of a sudden all these right-wingers suddenly become compassionate, caring, you know, uh, it, I think it would be stalemate. And that's why I'm for Hillary. But I, it's going to be great to hear Bernie give his yeah. explanation because maybe that'll convince people. Who knows? Yep. And uh, we're going to bring on here in a moment uh, Andrew Hibbard, who was our uh, songwriter performer for the night and really looking forward to it. But I wanted to ask, Andrew's coming in, I wanted to ask you a question. Your lovely wife, Mickey, who's for years been a friend of mine as well, what is her favorite wine? I'm just curious. Oh, Mickey's, yeah, because we went out to, it's funny you ask that, because we went out to dinner I took her out to a really nice restaurant. It's much too long of a setup. You just go right to it. But anyway, keep going. But her, no, it's true. Her, her favorite wine, and maybe they have it here in the back. <laughs> what is it, Jeff? Her favorite wine is, I don't want to go to Miami. <laughs> Unbelievable. We have here tonight, as I mentioned, Andrew Hibbert from Hamilton, Ohio. We're very pleased that you've come by, and we're anxious to hear a couple songs. And uh, start us off with one, and we'll chat about it after you do it. Yeah, for sure. Song's called Go All Night.
Oh, I like it. What is that uh, you have uh, on your, your finger there, which you get, you slide the... Slide. Yeah. Yes, yes. In fact, let's mention this. Andrew Hibbard is the vocalist and also playing harmonica. And Ben, make sure I don't mess your name up, but I think it's Ben Luckhaupt, correct? Very good. Uh, on the slide that guitar. That was great. That was and, great. And uh, it's a great sound. And I want to ask you, I assume, Andrew, you wrote that, correct? Oh, I did, yeah. And wh- what drew you to this style of music? It's kind of bluesy. Uh, as a young person, what took you to that style of music to perform? Uh, my first album I wrote, I was just me and a guitar, and then uh, I met up with him, and uh, we just experimented and uh, did an album, a full band album that we just did in the late summer. And um, what's the name of the album? Let's give yourself a plug. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna name it yet, man. Oh, oh, <laughs> sorry, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, you just recorded. How it, about right? the yeah, yeah. How about the best of Jerry Springer? That'll yeah, be, yeah. <laughs> that'll be just fine. Yeah. And by the way, your website is andrewhibbard.com, correct? Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, who, who are your musical heroes, both of you guys? Uh, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, Hank Sr., Tom Waits, Neil Young, uh, a lot of the old, old greats. Ben, similar people? Yeah, or? and also a lot of bluegrass, Bill Monroe, the Leuven Brothers, Del McCurry, yeah. Ralph Stanley, yeah. Jerry Springer. you know how to work it (laughs) smart guy (laughs) curious when you guys how how old are you Uh, Andrew how old are you I'm 19 I have have socks you read (laughs) Ben how old are you 24 I'll be done and and like uh, at 19 I mean is this the music you started with or did you play some rock and roll or alternative before this what I started off doing stuff like Chuck Berry. <laughs> really? Yeah, my high school talent show, the first time I ever played in front of anybody, I did a Johnny Be Good. How we doing? And I won. With the duck walk <laughs> yeah. and the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. no, I didn't yeah. do the duck walk, but yeah. wow. I was too scared to do that. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, do us another song, would you? Yeah, uh, this one's going to be uh, Just Me. It's also off the new record. Okay. The new un- yet unnamed record. Yeah. But that's coming. <laughs> Nothing to do with me 
were just a picture in a frame. Yeah, now we're just a picture in a frame. I'm not saying that I pace the floor, and I sure don't walk the line. But I'd be lying if I said that I don't think. Your lips used to feel like on mine. When the light turns yellow, and you know that you are too far away, and you're stopped cold in your footsteps, and the smoke of a memory fades away. You've been away. I put our picture down, and I know it's got nothing to do with me. Now we're just a picture in a frame. Yeah, now we're just a picture in a frame. That, that is an absolutely beautiful song. You, you sound like uh, Donovan. Donovan. Oh, yeah. yeah. You have his voice. That's Donovan. I mean, it's a, a, it's a Bob Dylan kind of style, but your voice is Donovan, and it's, it's almost the same strum. You, listen to him. Well, you already know him then. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, Donovan's. Yeah. yeah, I like Donovan, yeah. Yeah, because I, I see, honestly, all of a sudden I was taken back to <laughs> early 1970s and there was Donovan playing. <laughs> great, 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 great. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, and it really, it's very, very, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Let me ask you one more question, uh, Andrew, before we ask you to take us out on Irene Goodnight, yeah. an old Lead Belly song. Did you only do rock and roll, vintage rock and roll, your high school years or did you get into this kind of stuff i mean i always loved uh this kind of stuff but, and how uh, did you know about this kind of music parents or yeah, my dad has a okay. very great music collection <laughs> okay so he was a hippie oh yeah he was a stone cold hippie <laughs> no no he wasn't that's yeah. actually him right there <laughs> hey yeah. oh Oh, there you go. And Hamilton, Ohio, and of course our audience is national, but Hamilton is uh, a town, uh, kind of a working men and women town north of Cincinnati. Yeah. That's the good news. The bad news is Boehner was the congressman. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Hamilton, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And Hamilton's (laughs) a very cool town, by the way. I always felt the times I've been around there and have been through it plenty of times. Uh, Was this this style of music popular in your school days, or were you... Not so much. I typically stuck to uh, rock and roll when I did play. Yeah. Which was more accepted. Yeah, but then when I started to do the later high school talent shows, um, I started to do uh, this kind of And where did you go to high school, by the way? Uh, Ross. Ross High School. Ross High School. Public school out that way. Okay. That is so cool. And your parents, mom and dad here? Yeah. Yeah. 
how cool, how proud well, you? I guess we can't hear on the microphone. No, but, but that but must yeah. be such a cool feeling just to be sitting in the audience and there's, yeah, look at mom. And, and your 19-year-old yeah. son is up there playing music like that. And he, he's got a future. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys are great. Thank you, Thank you very well, much. Well, take Jerry, us out on Irene Goodnight. Jerry Springer, the famous Jerry Springer, is going to jump right. in on it if you'll let him. <laughs> we guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> I asked your mother for you She said you was too young I wished I'd never seen your face I'm sorry Sometimes I live in the country And sometimes I live in town Sometimes I take a great notion To jump in the river and drown You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.